1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Traycast on Road of Iz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Week 15 is almost in the books. Dan, as we're recording, it'll be in the books as it's in the ears of our listeners.
2: How's it going this week? It'll be going a lot better if any of my players scored fantasy points on the weeks that I need them to. But, you know, this is uh, this is most likely going to be my second year in the last, I don't know, 20 years of playing fantasy football that I won't have a championship. So that's fun.
1: There you go. All right. Positive thinking over on Dan's end. I do have a couple teams that are still alive. A couple that are teetering as we are talking at halftime of the Saints Colts game. Breaking news, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, they are good at this football thing. Uh, I'm not sure if any of, any of you guys knew that, but nobody cares about live analysis of a football game. As we're talking, as we've learned from recording on Monday nights, basically the last three years. All right. Let's go into our you know most important topics of the week, but before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our friends uh, ourselves, Rotoviz. Uh, <laughs> as a low podcast listener, you get a ten percent off a rotoviz pa- NFL pass right now. It's available at the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. You're in the playoffs. Got to get it going. Also, I'm sure we'll have some great NFL uh, playoff fantasy stuff. Those are always some fun contests as well. Again, limited access to all of our NFL content tools so you get amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, it's rotavaze.com slash podcast. All right. So one of the bigger news items of Monday has been Will Greer is expected to be named the starter on Wednesday of this week. Kyle Allen's to the bench. As a guy who was a big fan, Fan of Will Greer coming out of college, obviously big big numbers in the Big 12. Uh, and then he went in the third round of the NFL draft to a team where I, that I didn't think they had a backup, backup quarterback in Kyle Allen. I, I thought that when Cam Newton got hurt, then it would end up being Greer. But Greer had such a poor preseason that basically they were forced to play Kyle Allen. He had a couple of good games, and he had like a five game winning streak. You know, who remembers that? Uh, and then he ended up, you know, being terrible for the last. Five or so weeks. So Kyle Allen played his way out of a job. Will Greer is going to get the opportunity these last two weeks to kind of audition. I think the Cam Newton era is over in Carolina. So I think this is kind of an audition to say, do we want to invest a first round pick at quarterback? Do we want to, you know, go after one of the up, uh, maybe a Jameis Winston or another free agent quarterback that isn't, you know, Cam Newton?
2: Yeah, I feel like they're one of the teams that's going to be in that the 21 draft class race. I feel like 2020 is probably going to be a not so fun year for them even with all of the booming talent they have on offense i'm not sure will greer or kyle allen get them there and i agree i think cam newton's all but done i i mean he seems like he's almost destined to be a chicago bear but <clears throat> i'm charger. not sure yeah or charger that's that's another very possible uh, destination i'm just i'm not sure I like the the Greer change for the offense. Yes, Kyle Allen hasn't been good of late, but <clears throat> that kind of comes with more with, with starts because teams start to figure out players and teams start to figure out Kyle Allen and, and now they can just kind of you know do whatever they need with him. So maybe the move to Will Greer will be good for a couple of starts. So it's, it's possible. It's good for fantasy in the short term. I would probably place most of my bets on that being not the case uh i feel like he'll struggle early even with all of that talent just because i didn't really see an nfl ready guy uh in will greer coming from west virginia i thought he was kind of like a career backup type i feel like he could be serviceable but I, i don't see i don't see this being the starter of the future I feel like it'll be some sort of hodgepodge quarterback room for 2020 and then 21 they go after one of the high end guys in that class because outside of the top 2 maybe 3 in this draft class I don't know that we can really we can really plant a flag on any of them being a a potential franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah, I for me I like I said I do like Greer so I think that if he shows anything you know, in, in, in these two games, that makes him look like a possible NFL franchise quarterback. Then I think that he, he's he's going to buy himself the 2020 season because they're not in great draft position right now, as well as the fact that you know they did invest in third round picking him. So uh, I'm I'm excited to what from what I see for for Greer, but also because like they have weapons. They have Christian McCaffrey, the best receiving running back in in the NFL. They have DJ Moore, an emerging star at wide receiver, and Curtis Samuel's an, a very good NFL wide receiver too. So. He he has a good opportunity to, to be successful here, especially because they didn't throw him into the fire in like week three. They they let him sit behind Kyle Allen, let Kyle Allen get beat up for a little bit, and are now giving him the shot to to end the season like that. Um, so I, obviously it doesn't sound like you are a huge fan of Greer. Uh, if you had uh, Greer on a roster, uh, what would be the lowest pick you would take in Superflex?
2: I mean, I'm, I'd smash except any second I don't think I would move him for a third just because of the potential that all maybe it does all click for him. And he does become the at least short term starter. And even, you know, one season of NFL QB play is worth more than more than a third. It's probably worth more than a second, if we're being completely honest.
1: Yeah, I I think that for most that aren't as enthusiastic ask about him as as i am i would probably say he's worth less than a second more than a third which kind of will be the reason why you probably don't see very many will greer deals along with the fact that his like you know chance is coming when most leagues don't have trades going on all right let's move on to tampa uh we have brashad perriman we talked about justin watson uh getting his audition to be you know the wide receiver three in tampa and Rashad Perriman took that audition and said, hey, this is my audition, even though I'm a free agent and I'm probably not coming back anyways. But Rashad Perriman, three touchdowns uh, against uh, who the Bucks play? Uh, I don't even remember. Who cares? Um, (laughs) But, oh, Lions. Lions are so bad. Uh, So, yeah, uh, three touchdowns against Lions. Uh, What are your takes on Perriman? Can we now say that the Browns and Ravens gave up too early? Also, the funnest fact, the funnest fact, the Browns signed Perriman. And then traded for Beckham and Perriman's like, hey, like, can I get out of this deal? And, and he, they were like, sure. And Perriman has more touchdowns than Beckham on the season.
2: Yeah, that's um, that's not great. I uh, It's hard to say if anyone gave up too early. It, it seemed like he was just never going to be healthy. It seemed like it was just never going to happen. And obviously there was enough upside for Baltimore to take him in the first round when they did. I feel like it was not the best of moves at the time and still really don't think that you can justify taking him as a first-round player. He was one of those late risers that just kind of showed up and, hey, look, this big, fast guy, and all of a sudden we're going to take him in the first round. And, you know, his, his career thus far has kind of spoken for itself. He, you know, had a kind of whatever rookie season, and he's basically doing the same thing with, what, like 10 or 12 games played this year that he did as a rookie. And Tampa has been just kind of using whoever they have there and whoever's playing is going to score points. So it's hard to say that that wherever he'll go, he'll find some fantasy value. I feel like if he can find his way into one of these big pass-heavy type offenses, it's possible he, he works as a wide receiver two or or maybe that deep threat wide receiver three for a team that's got a one in a slot. I don't think he ever is a, a true wide receiver one or two in an offense. I feel like he's got at best like a high-end best ball asset type value that I think you could justify now kind of coming into his what should be quote-unquote prime years because he is 26 he's starting to kind of like mini breakout, I guess, these last three games, he's looked surprisingly okay. Yes, Detroit is terrible, and the three touchdowns, I mean, those are what they are, but even against Jacksonville and Indianapolis, he, I mean, he played solid enough games where, I mean, you, you can at least see it. I don't, I don't love him. I never have loved him as either a prospect or as an actual player. But it seems like maybe he's kind of figured it out at least a little bit.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, though, I don't think that any team is going to invest enough in him to want to give him anything more than wide receiver three touches. I, you know, obviously we're talking about how stacked the 2020 wide receiver classes. And it's looking like the same for 2021. Those types of rookies are the ones that make Brashad Perriman turn into a special teams player or a guy who doesn't have an NFL job anymore. And so, I I think if you can get anything for him, if you can get a third or maybe even Paraben plus a fourth for a third, I'm fine selling and taking advantage of this very small window. I think he's an interesting talent, but I'm not sure he survives the incoming wave of rookies and, you know, all the other obstacles that basically a guy who busted
2: and is now just trying to get any sort of opportunity he can get. But what if he's, what if he goes to a team that's notoriously hideous for drafting wide receivers or isn't really in that, in that mode, even though this class is sick, we all know that this is going to be one of the better classes we'll, we'll see. There's still those teams that, that don't take the draft for that. They go after defensive players. They go after O line help. They take shots at other positions and wide receiver becomes that, well, let's just add random guys. Let's take some random dude and, and see if we can turn him into something, a place like, and I hate when people mention it, but a place like new England, would make all the sense in the world for someone like Perriman because Nikhil Harry is really the only person there at this point that has long term, you know, a long term chance. Julian Edelman's getting up there, and he can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, Jacoby Myers is cool and all, but I don't know that he's going to stick. And outside of that, I mean, there's there's nothing there's nothing really there. So I feel like there's going to be enough teams where this kind of back half of the season is going to pique their interest and he'll get I mean maybe it's veteran minimum but still that's a shot and I feel like if he gets a shot he'll be able to at least get out as like a wide receiver three or potentially wide receiver two depending on the room he joins
1: I think that it has to be a very thin room in order for Rashad Perriman to be the wide receiver two
2: there's a lot of them though there's a lot of wide receiver rooms that don't have depth look at the look at the two teams playing tonight They've got Michael Thomas and T.Y. Hilton. The rest of those wide receiver groups are absolutely hideous. Yeah.
1: All right, let's move on to quickly talk about Jameis. I think in the last four or five games, Jameis has unfortunately played his way into a long-ish term extension with with the Buccaneers. I don't think they let him walk, despite the fact that I want them to let him walk, whether it's to pick a quarterback in this year's draft or to tank for Lawrence or whatever it may be. But I I think that Winston is now the long-term Buccaneers starter. What say you?
2: Yeah, that's another that's another tough one because, I mean, can you really justify spending? I mean, he's probably going to have to be in that that top five, 12 to 15 quarterback money range, and you're going to find probably your your top, you know, your number one draft picks there, and you're going to find all of your highest paid guys: your Russell Wilsons, your Tom Brady's, your Drew Breeses. Uh, can you justify paying him in the ballpark of some of those guys? Or do we think he's going to take money that maybe doesn't lock him in for the long-term starter? Maybe he gets a Colin Kaepernick-type deal and, and is basically forced to prove it.
1: Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I kind of I, – I think that some t- – like, he's shown enough that, that in the last few games. Obviously, he in every game, he shows a, a little hint of his worst, which is the fumbles and the interceptions. But he's shown enough on the positive end that some team's going to give him a multi-year deal,
2: in my opinion. Well, if it's going to be some team, I mean, it's going to be Tampa. I, I don't think some team is just going to go out and throw a bag at him. I um, mean, I think it could be, you know, maybe Tennessee if
1: they sour on Tannehill, or Carolina if they decide Greer isn't the option. There, there are landing spots, or Chicago if he, if Cam doesn't end up there. There are lots of landing spots for Jameis and possibly Mariota but I think that there's a lot of veteran quarterbacks uh, along the lines of black is not a free agent, but I'm sure he'll get cut. And uh, Dalton is, uh, is, is a free agent and I'm sure that he won't be in Cincinnati. So, you know, th- there's a lot of guys who were starters at the beginning of this year that are going to be finding new homes or not finding homes at all come 2020.
2: Yeah. Market says that he's due for like 25 million, which I really don't think you can justify doing that. If, if people are hesitant on trying to give Dak 30 plus, there's no way you can give Jameis 25.
1: All right, let's move on to our next one. It's uh, Kenyon Drake, who went off, went bananas on my bench in the Kiddush. I league. for those that care <laughs> about that, but he has had two big games as a Cardinal. He's averaging 18 points per game since he got traded to the Arizona Cardinals. And he is a pending free agent, but I think that the a- Arizona is going to end up re-signing him and, and releasing David Johnson to come back to Tampa. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, Kenyon Drake, I, I think that he is now the long-term RB one in Arizona. What say you?
2: Man, that's a tough one too. Uh, I feel like his, his start against San Francisco was like, wow, look at this guy. He's kind of what we thought he might've been in Miami. And then it was just really bad for a month. And then he kind of does it again versus Cleveland. Again, the four touchdown thing is just something you kind of have to write off, but it was four touchdowns nonetheless. I think the big issue with him is is kind of what we we like seeing from David Johnson is how how much he could do in the passing game when they used him as that, and how little Kenyon Drake can do in the passing game for when he's gotten those targets. If you look at when they played Tampa and then San Francisco the second time, he combined for yes, count them, 12 catches, and hold on, Nathan, are you sitting? Okay, you're sitting. 19 yards. 12 catches for 19 yards. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like he's he's built more like the two-down guy, and and maybe maybe that work is worth enough, and he can still be a somewhat consistent fantasy asset. I just don't think he's a three-down guy. I don't think that he's been really all that great in this Kingsbury offense that should bode really well for a running back. And uh, to be completely honest, I I guess you just have to have the right type of running back. And I don't know, he's had two nice games, but the rest of it's just kind of been trash.
1: Yeah. But he does have the speed that David Johnson seems to be lacking this year that, you know, which is why I put him in that RB one slot. But let's just let's let's talk about rookie pick value here. Uh, what's the highest rookie pick you'd give up for Kenny Drake right now?
2: I mean, it's probably like a late second, just because I, I don't feel like he's a long a real long term guy. Okay.
1: I I think when we had this conversation earlier, I think we were actually flipped. So I I think you said mid second, and I said late. second second and i think now i'm saying mid-second because i I, back when we first had this conversation when he got traded i didn't see him as a long-term asset i saw him as you know a short-term plug for whatever reason that a team that isn't competing this year wanted a short-term running back but i I think he ends up getting re-signed there and you know there's promise in that kingsbury offense
2: is there any way they're getting out of that david johnson contract
1: no they're gonna have to eat it
2: that sounds fun
1: you would also also is fun getting involved with our friends over at MyBookie. it's that time of year christmas is coming up quick as we're approaching the 25th and our friends at MyBookie want to make your season special with 12 days of gifts that's right my is already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry and this holiday season they're getting into the spirit with the giving of 12 straight days of giveaways that's right 12 days of gifts a brand new gift every single day so you can take your game to the next level They kicked off this promotion on the 14th with a free parlay for the the UFC, and they'll keep up the gift-giving through the 25th, free bets, free spins, futures, and more. While Santa has his, they've checked off their list. They've got a little something for everyone, and this is the promotion that you won't want to miss, especially with the NBA and NHL in full swing, and all the college bowl games around the corner. It really is the holiday season and the best time of year for sports betting. Parlays, teasers, specials, anything you could ever ask for. My bookie is here to make Christmas great again. Head over to mybookie.ag right now, promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, to get half your initial deposit and free wagers. And that, that's just the start of your savings. Make sure to check the site out during this promotion because there's going to be something new every day. And you're going to want to take advantage of these deals. So go
2: to mybookie with the code ROTOVIZ and start winning today. Dig me some mybookie. Gotta love them. Love them as a sponsor. They've been with us loving this relationship you know Uh, i'm I'm a i'm a my bookie kind of guy uh okay let's jump to someone that i've kind of poo-pooed and and never really saw the the three down capability i thought he was phenomenal in space and was built more like the james white type and this week kind of I wouldn't say it changed my mind but made me a little bit more open-minded and of course we're talking about Miles Sanders uh someone that <clears throat> was either loved or I guess I wouldn't say hated but loved or kind of disliked through the draft process I feel like he scooted up a whole bunch of boards based on a landing spot and a lot of people didn't really take into consideration what I would consider the important tape very good in space I, I, I can't harp on that enough I feel like he's I mean he's somewhat special in space but when it involves running between the tackles and having to try to find his vision not so much that's that's where my biggest issues came with miles sanders is his inability to find space if it's created for him he's electric and we've seen that in philly with you know kind of the the spotty usage of him and now obviously with jordan howard being out he's slowly been getting more and more usage and this week we saw that bell usage. Yes, it was against a pretty bad Washington Redskins team, but he he kind of did everything we're hoping to see from him. Uh, he was good in the passing game like he's been, and he was pretty darn good between the tackles. Nathan, is is this a sign of things to come from Miles Sanders, or do you think this is just kind of maybe the, the opponent a little bit and his, his the fact that there's no one there to take touches from him right now?
1: I mean, for me, I, I think this is who granted, obviously I think that it's a bit extreme because he's a rookie and has had some, you know, changes with, you know, volume. But this year he has three 20 plus PPR point games. I think it's like six sub 10 PPR point games. So, you know, obviously a bit, uh, you know, hot and cold with him throughout the season. And I think that will, you know, not be this as much of the case in the future years because the, the volume will go up. But I do think he is very much a big play guy. That if he doesn't hit that 60 yard catch or doesn't hit that 80 yard touchdown, then he's gonna have like eight points. And granted, you can say that about a lot of guys. A lot of guys. I mean, Derrick Henry for the first couple years of his career, it's like either a 60 yard touchdown or he has two fantasy points. And obviously, Sanders gets his points a little bit different than Derrick Henry did. Did. But I do think he's kind of a,
2: the the big play threat that's gonna be a bit streaky uh, week to week. It's almost like if Saquon Barkley wasn't good. That's the vibe I get. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's, he does enough good in, in, like, you know, as a running back, I just, I struggle with the the three down portion of it. I feel like he's been priced as such, basically from the jump, he, he was like 102 or potentially 101 in almost every draft. He's kind of stuck at his value and never really dipped because he's a rookie and because he's still playing in Philadelphia, even though Philly's been pretty bad all year. And I'd like to say it'd be a good time to buy him buy him in the offseason, but his price hasn't gone down. His price has maintained, and it's only going to go up. And that's kind of what scares me because I, I'm with you. I think, I think if you're getting those big plays, he's going to have big weeks. He's going to have 18-plus points. But when he doesn't have them – it's just not there and that's tough to rely on for someone that's being drafted where he's being drafted so i feel like if we can start to see a little bit more consistency we might be able to justify the where he's being taken and where he's being valued but right now i just i don't i don't see it at his current valuation and some people might think he's valued low but i mean he's he's creeping up there if you if you think he's like a top 35 or 40 asset i just I don't I don't see it unless you're going to put James White up there too I, I feel like that's probably the closest thing we've got
1: So Heath Cummings uh, from CBS Sports, you know, a guy who we interact with on Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, He does a a Believe It or Not segment on Twitter each week. And uh, Monday morning he posted, Miles Sanders should be viewed as a top 12 dynasty running back. And uh, that was 59% believe it. So 59% of Twitter thought that Miles Sanders should be a top 12 running back. I think that's a little bit premature. I understand why it's there just because of how young running backs are valued and how, you know, we're always assuming the, the highest range of outcomes. but. I do think that there are probably like 15 to 16 running backs that I think are, are safer assets, guys that have more guaranteed touches over the next two to three years. So I, I think that Sanders has top 12 upside, but I'm not sure he's top 12 yet.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I know, I know where one of those votes came from. I'm guessing Mr. Mr. Ryan McDowell voted for for him. We took he took him in one of the uh, the RB drafts that we did. So yeah, that's uh. I don't know. I agree with you. I think he, it's too soon to put him in that category. I feel like he's probably fringe. I'd probably have him in the 15 range. But, I mean, he like you said, he's got the upside. He can do it. If if Philly continues to use him the right way and doesn't just try to smash him into the line 20 times a game, I feel like you're going to get more out of him. You'll keep his legs fresh. You'll keep his body fresh. And you just keep him involved in the passing game. There are They already have so few pass-catching assets there that, If you're not getting him involved, you're just doing something wrong.
1: All right. Let's move on to our next topic, which is going to be the Rams tight end. Tyler Higby, 64 PPR points over the last three weeks. Certainly some, some nice output for the Rams tight end. This is a guy, he's in his fourth season in the NFL, hadn't eclipsed 300 receiving yards in his first three seasons, has 546 receiving yards right now, two touchdowns. So are we seeing the breakout of Higby? Is this just proof that the Rams' offense has been a mess this season? Uh, What are your thoughts on Higby right now?
2: Well, I think it's an extension of what they were doing with Gerald Everett. Maybe a a way to to get something else involved and, and try to free up those wide receivers a little bit, give the defense something else to focus on. Or maybe defenses have figured out the Rams and they're putting in a wrinkle that teams haven't quite caught on with yet. We saw Gerald Everett have a pretty nice start to the season, got hurt, and since then it's it's kind of been hot and cold. Higby, and he was a guy that I actually kind of liked as as a rookie coming out a couple years a couple years ago. Um, and I don't know, it, tight ends so difficult that it's almost like you need to just play that one position as like best ball (laughs) because it's so messy and sloppy that it's hard to put a pin on any of these guys that aren't george kittle at this point i don't think there's a ton of long term value there but it's not unrealistic to say that he's the tight end one in that offense depending on what happens with gerald everett i feel like they like gerald everett more because of his athleticism but tyler higby is kind of showing that he can do more. He was originally the the blocker, the quote unquote blocker guy, but now blocker guy is catching passes. So if you can get the best of both worlds and and just use Higby, I mean maybe it becomes a a move on from one of these wide receivers. I would assume Brandon Cooks, and start splitting out Everett more and running two more two tight end sets. So I don't know. We'll see what McVay does for the future. But if I had to pick one today of the two Rams tight ends, I think I'm sticking with Everett. Well,
1: I am actively checking on Gerald Everett's contract situation, but Higby did sign like a, a four-year extension in September. So, uh,
2: Just an extra lineman for them, and then all of a sudden he started catching passes.
1: Yep. And it looks like he has an expiring deal after 2020. So I I think obviously they're more long-term invested into Higby and his production in the last few weeks is going to be, you know, show that they're going to want to throw to him more often. Uh, but he also f- uh, falls under the category of he's probably worth about a third right now. If you can get a second, I think that's a snap except uh, because there isn't any sort of guarantee for his long-term value still competing with Everett. And also just the fact that, Tight end is so fickle. Let's move on to a topic you wanted. You wanted to discuss the 2020 QB ones in startups or the QB one in startup. Uh, so obviously, I, I would say like around like week seven, week eight, we we declared on the show that there was a top tier of Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and uh, Deshaun Watson. And now you are coming out with the take that Lamar stands alone as QB one. Defend your take.
2: Well, I, the, I mean, the rushing floor is just so incredibly high that anything he does with his arm is almost just cake at this point. You know, he, he broke the rushing record. I feel like we're going to consistently see him with, I, I mean, seven does 700 seem like a crazy high floor for him to rush. Because for me, it doesn't really seem all that crazy. And that's a lot of free points, especially when you consider the stuff happening in the red zone, the extra rushing touchdowns. I mean, the, the arm, the, I think... I think he's probably he, he's probably, you know, kind of exceeded what everyone thought he was going to do with his arm to an extent where now it's like, how hard is this regression going to hit? And is 2020 going to be kind of what everyone thought Lamar Jackson's arm was or is 2020 just going to be the, Hey, see, I did it last year, but now look, I'm doing it again because I'm actually a good quarterback. I think that's the question we have to ask. Is he an act? Is he an actually good quarterback or does his athleticism make defenses stand on their heels? I mean, I, I think he's very good. And I think that he, he is very easily a top
1: three quarterback. But I, I'm i still taking Mahomes. I call me, you know, an old man who doesn't want to see change in the NFL. But like, you know, I feel like we've seen the story with Robert Griffin and with other mobile quarterbacks, and there's just so much risk every week, every run play that, you know, he's going to get hurt. Like Lamar playing 16 games this year is going to be an anomaly. I I think that, granted, I think this is baked into his price, but I think that he's going to miss two to three games a year. I think that's fairly safe to assume. And with Mahomes, who has missed time this year without being that much of a running quarterback, I, I, I just think that he's a safer asset with his arm and not as much reliant on his legs. So... I personally w- would take Mahomes easily over Lamar, but I also think that all three of those guys are pretty close.
2: Yeah. I just feel like the, the Lamar floor with his rushing is, is, I mean, is a lot to stand on. And I, I mean, I love Mahomes just as much as anybody else, but I mean, we saw how, how hard regression hit this year. And obviously the injuries play a role in that, but we all expected Lamar Jackson to be often injured and, and, you know, everything. And for how much he puts his body in, in jeopardy, he hasn't really been dinged up much. I think he's been on the injury report a couple times, but uh, you haven't noticed that he hasn't been any different on the field. So I feel like it's a one, a one B type situation. And I really couldn't fault you for taking either. I just feel like that rushing floor is, is such an advantage.
1: Yeah, and so do you think that it is now a tier of two, and Watson is kind of uh, dipped back a little bit, or you think it's just like these are the two most exciting of the three,
2: but they're all you know top three guys? I would say it's it's a series, it's a it's a group of two. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we what we know Mahomes can do, and the fact that we're still seeing a little the little you know bits of it while he's kind of figuring out how to play through injury, and I, I don't think he's still a hundred percent. But seeing this true breakout from Lamar Jackson and watching him be, I mean, an elite fantasy football asset, I think those two stand alone with a pretty sizable gap.
1: In the arms <laughs> of the angel, oh, far no. away from here, this is
2: dan what am i talking about well if that ever happens again i'm probably gonna just pull the plug end it (laughs) well uh for any of you sarah mclaughlin fans you're probably you're probably either thinking about those poor dogs in that commercial or you're thinking about josh gordon like we are and this is probably it if you Didn't sell when he went to the Patriots, and then when he got cut there, and then all of a sudden he's got a new team, and you didn't sell after that happened. Well, uh, I think think he just freed up a roster spot. So you've got that going for you, which is (laughs) nice. But it's, yeah, this is probably it for Josh Gordon. At this point, I don't think we could really care about what he does as a football player for the rest. I think at this point we all root for him to mentally get there, to battle his addiction demons that seemingly can't get away from him. It's hard to have a football take because he he was such a promising player and he's so good. And he's, I mean, you still see flashes of it. He wasn't really being used in any of his last few stops, but it's still there. And who knows if he's even sober out there playing. I would imagine not, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I I think it's just, it's time to cut ties and, and wish him the best. Yeah.
1: My initial take when he went to the Seahawks was I didn't like it because I was worried that he would end up taking away targets from the breakout of DK Metcalf that didn't end up happening. So that wasn't that too big of a worry, but as we talk about with you know him being gone, I that clears up any sort of targets, maybe an opportunity for David Moore or whoever else they have at wide receiver three there. But yeah, Josh Gordon droppable in Dynasty Leagues. I I think honestly this might be, I know this we've had like a lot of these scenarios, but I think this might be the first time where you can like safely say, All right, you can you can drop
2: Josh Gordon. Yeah. I, I agree
1: all right let's move on uh let's close up the show with the heisman winner heisman winner joe burrow of the louisiana state university uh also playoff bound so with the two hip injury basically everyone is saying joe burrow i don't know if you saw this dan uh but joe burrow was on the cbs today or whatever their you know pre-game show is and boomer esiason gave him a Bengal helmet which is absolutely hilarious
2: <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and the Bengals have pretty much locked up that number one spot. So, you know, uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, some nice uh, cups of Joe in, in Cincinnati. But this is obviously a very hyped you know, running back class, even a hyped wire super class. Does Joe Burrow have a 101 shot in Superflex? Or wh- where do you think he'll be valued in Superflex uh, at, as we enter NFL draft season?
2: I think if he goes 101, he's most likely going to be that 101 in Superflexed. But I think if we see that Tua is healthy and Tua still goes in the top five, you can see Tua make that push. As much as everyone loves the running backs and the wide receivers in this class, unless they're getting high-end landing spots with draft capital, uh, it's tough to pass on a quarterback at one in, in any super flex league, especially one or two that – are this promising in, in Joe Burrow and, and Tua tags, as I like to call them, because I cannot pronounce his last name. And I don't know, man. I feel like the top couple of running backs make a push. There's probably three wide receivers for me at this point that can make that push, but it's it's really, really tempting to take Burrow or Tua at one.
1: Yeah, I, I think that obviously Burrow is pretty much locked in at one I mean Granted, we've we've had years where like Baker wasn't locked in at one. I mean, people thought that Josh Rosen was locked in 101 this time, you know, before his their their rookie draft with, uh, you know, Rosen and Mayfield and, and Darnold. But, anyways, assuming that that Burrow goes 101, I think that it's actually more dependent on where the first wide receiver and first running back go like if judy goes top five i think that he has an argument for 101 and i think that if there's there's any running backs which it's not looking likely right now but if any running backs go like top 10 top 12 then they're in the conversation but me personally as a guy who's such a big fan of draft capital i can't see myself in Superflex taking like the the first running back off the board at like 21 overall over the 101 qb
2: right Uh, yeah it's It's not going to... I mean, since he's basically got the top pick locked up, I I think, and it's really hard to not see them taking Joe Burrow. And then, you know, a a couple wins behind them. You've got, you know, the Redskins just took Haskins. They seem to be locked in. Giants have Daniel Jones. I can't imagine they're moving on. Detroit has Matthew Stafford. Don't see them doing anything. The Dolphins have four right now. So the Dolphins... You know, there's. I don't really think there's another team that is going to be. I mean, there could be a team that moves up for Tua, I guess, but it feels like Burrow at one and Tua at wherever Miami picks is almost inevitable at this point, unless someone falls in love with Chase Young, even though he said he was going back for another year, which I don't. I, I think that's just keep his teammates into it type statement. So yeah, I, and I honestly would prefer to see. I would I would prefer Burrow in Cincy with that offensive line, you know, kind of coming back together next year. There's them still having Joe Mixon uh, over Tua in Miami. I feel like that's just a just going to be a disaster.
1: All right. That'll wrap up our show for week 15. Uh, if you are playing in a week 16 championship, good luck to you. If you're playing in a week 17 championship, leave your league. All right. That'll wrap <laughs> us up for this week uh thanks so much dan as always uh any parting words
2: parting words uh back to our miles sanders talk i've I've got an official take i did a little pro football reference inquiry and and kind of looked up where miles is at right now so he's currently and i just used the you know baselines cutting off extra yardages but 150 carries 600 yards 40 catches 400 yards in nfl history is a rookie. Since 1920, that has only happened 22 total times. My comp for Miles Sanders is Giovanni Bernard. Thank you. Good night. Kadoosh.